0: In our last episode, we talked about the underperforming direct report and how important it was for the leader to have great conversations with this underperformer. Some of the things we talked about was managing the gap and trust and relationship. We want to dive a little bit deeper into that topic because Dale and I know that there's more to it than just suggesting to our leaders that they manage the gap. Welcome to Conversations for Fearless Leaders. Do you avoid important conversations for fear of not saying it right? How comfortable are you to deal with difficult situations? What if instead you could approach any conversation with clarity and confidence? We are Dale Loughlin of Trinidad and
1: Tobago and Rhonda York of the United States. In Conversations for Fearless Leaders, we draw on our combined 40 years of experiences as professionally trained coaches, certified in conversational
0: intelligence and team coaching. So join us in this podcast series as we discuss your most challenging leadership situations with a deep, multidisciplinary perspective. In each episode, we will share practical tools, tips, and steps for you to implement with confidence. Let your journey with us
1: awaken your inner courage to discover, experiment, and learn what it takes to become a fearless master of leadership
0: conversations. So Dale, in conversations you and I've had, you brought up some great questions. So why don't you share with our listeners some of the thoughts and concerns you had about our topic in the last episode? Thanks, Rhonda.
1: You made that really important point before about clarifying the gap. The question is, what's causing the gap? Is it a can't-do issue? In other words, the direct report doesn't have the skill set. Perhaps it's poorly suited for that particular job. Or is it a won't do gap where the issue is not so much capability, but willingness. Where the issue is more around, well, what's holding me back as a direct report from performing to the level of greatness that I have the capability to achieve.
0: Dale, that makes me think how many leaders actually ask that question. That's something you and I know that a conversation is not telling them what to do and giving demands and a list of KPIs. There needs to be that question in there, how are you doing? And What gets in the way of you being successful? Whatever success looks like to the leader and the direct report.
1: And what if what's getting in the way is the relationship between the leader and his direct report? Now, who is going to have the courage in that conversation to put that elephant on the table that what's going on here really is about? quality
0: of the relationship we have with with each other. And how do they determine that? And, and you and I know that relationships are very important in a number of ways. One, in developing trust and respect, and also the commitment to do the job. So how do you approach that topic and or figure out, is it the relationship? You're almost asking, do you like me and do I like you? So how do you approach that as a leader? With courage. It's almost that you're asking the question,
1: who has the courage to put this on the table? Whose responsibility might it be to go first? And I would say it's the leader's. He's got to create the conversational space in which there is enough trust that his direct report is able to say, this is how I feel when you speak with me. This is how I feel when you shout. This is how I feel when you tell me what to do. This is how I feel when you delegate to me without even asking what I have on my agenda, on my list of priorities, and how what you're expecting from me impacts on my ability to achieve the things that you have already asked me to achieve.
0: Those are great statements that the direct report feels comfortable, confident, and safe to have that conversation and to say those kind of things. And I think before that can happen, again, there has to be that level of trust, but it's also something going back to what you and I learned in conversational intelligence from Judith E. Glaser was you have to prom for trust. And I think before you can have that deep of a conversation, especially when it's talking about relationship and how the boss might make them feel, there's some steps in there before that where trust has to be developed. And a sense of safety, meaning not necessarily physical safety, but it's safe to have this conversation knowing that you will hear me really listen and try to understand where I'm coming from. And this is not a case of right or wrong, because however that direct report feels is right to them but that's where the leader needs to stop and ask themselves, what is it that I'm doing? What is my behavior, my actions, my word that would cause one of my direct reports, one of my employees to have those feelings? And that's where self-awareness comes in, which is a whole nother big topic. But if a direct report can't have the, the courage Going back to what you said, this is how I feel when you do this. This is how I feel about this. There has to be safety in there that I can say those things and tomorrow I will still have a job and you and I can still have conversations.
1: To answer your question about how does the leader go about having that kind of conversation? It sounds to me as if the conversation starts with himself with a conversation with self, which is how might I be showing up? How important is it for me to get feedback from my people so that I actually know how they're experiencing me, how they think that I'm showing up? After all, they're my stakeholders. It's the leader starting off by coming to his own awareness around, you know what? I need to understand how I'm showing up. It's almost as though he's asking, Well, what is my brand as a leader? How do people experience me as a leader? What is the story that people tell themselves and others about me when I'm not in the room? My brand as a leader. It may be that, to answer your question, that's where the leader needs to start. He's got to go inside first and say, Okay what really is going on here how might i be actually be part of what's blocking my direct report from performing at the level of greatness
0: which he has the capability to do well and and i totally agree with you my concern is having worked with some of those leaders that think they're great and think that their behavior is what got them to where they are. Sometimes for me, getting a leader to understand how their behavior impacts and affects their direct reports as a coach is one of my biggest challenges. So when I think about it, some of the things I've done is either a 360 that uses raters from their stakeholders, whether it's their peers, their boss, direct reports, and other people that interact with them. And that can be done by a standardized one where they answer through a computer or something like that. And I've also done it by interviewing. And my experience has been all all across the board, but some of them go, who would say this? I think I know who said this." And a challenge as a coach is getting just what you're talking about to go within and really stop and think, okay, what am I doing? Even though my intention of my behavior might be to bring success or to help an employee grow, How I'm doing it may not be as effective as I want it to be. So as coaches, you and I have that challenge of helping a leader identify and understand the impact of their behavior. I have very few times found a leader be able to self-evaluate that and, and see because like I said, their intentions, their thought process is going somewhere else. So that's where you and I as executive coaches come in and helping to identify that. But they also have to learn to accept it. And then it's all that thing that you and I talked about of creating an environment of trust and safety to have those conversations. And that's where leaders can really grow, and it's where I have seen the growth. And I've worked with those leaders that dealt with the pain, the embarrassment, even the anger of receiving the feedback that wasn't favorable and wasn't how they saw themselves or what their intentions were. But then once they calmed down and we really talked about it and they understood if they really want success and they really want their team members to be successful and grow, it has to start with me.
1: And it's the leader, who opens up to this kind of conversation with the coach and with others, the leader who opens up to this kind of feedback, which is difficult sometimes to take on board and internalize and use, is a leader who has recognized that What's in it for him is that in making the change, he will be able to achieve his own aspiration
0: to a higher level of success. He's got to realize that there's something in it. Does to that him. make him weak? To realize that I'm not perfect, I'm not as great as I think I am. He's not going to change if he doesn't figure that. But
1: Marshall Goldsmith says has an interesting concept, which is that successful leaders who are the leaders we work with they're all successful that's why we're working with them successful leaders are what makes them successful is their behaviors and they've achieved that level of success as well in spite of certain behaviors so what they need to understand is which are the behaviors that they are achieving their success. In spite of and what might happen if they shifted some
0: of those behaviors, what might then happen in terms of their level of success? And that's a big challenge for you and me as a coach to be able to get leaders to see that. However, in some of the executives that I've worked with, it's when they've gone through that process and become very vulnerable and humble. And knowing that they aren't perfect and sharing that with their direct reports and even apologizing. I was going to say almost, but it's not an almost. They did apologize and it opened great doors for conversations. And what I have seen as a result is the level of trust and respect for that leader was magnified by being that humble and that vulnerable. And that even led to a much better culture within the organization and the level of conversations went up in great magnitude. It was so fun as a coach to see that happen and talking about the gap to see where the leader was at the beginning and their feelings, and how they were doing, than to go through that big growth process. And then to talk to them near the end of our coaching relationship, what have you learned, what's changed, how are things, and to see their amazement, their aha, and oh my gosh, this is so amazing. And here's the feedback I've gotten. And here's the conversations I've had that were coach is the, the reason I do what I do, because I love seeing people grow and reach their potential. So Dale, if we go back and, and sort of summarize what we've talked about here in building that relationship and having those conversations, how would you sum that up?
1: What comes up for me, and I've had the same experience that you've had, is that sometimes the gap is not with the direct report. Sometimes the gap is with the leader himself. And again, just sort of flipping back to some of the stuff I learned from the Marshall Goldsmith methodology is that there are three things that are required. You've just mentioned a couple of them. One is the humility, the leader's humility to understand that the gap might be with him. Two is the courage to be vulnerable. Takes a lot of courage for sure. Strength. Absolutely. And that's where the strength. And the third is the discipline to make small changes consistently over a period of time while staying open to the feedback from the various stakeholders who you had been to in the beginning. So that over a period of time, what happens is not only the leader's behavior changes, but also that the stakeholder's perception of his behavior changes, which sometimes takes a little bit longer than the leader changing his own behavior. So, so interestingly, what has come out of this conversation is that, again, sometimes the gap is with the leader, not with the under, the so-called or the perceived underperformer. And what also is coming out of this conversation is the incredibly valuable journey that an executive, that a leader can take as he opens up to vulnerability, he opens up to feedback that may be difficult for him to receive. And as he genuinely and sincerely over a period of time does what is necessary, To do something that he always had the capability to do, eh? to manage his performance, his relationships from trust, but which perhaps he just wasn't seeing. And how much our work as coaches really lies in that domain, which is helping to make it happen, supporting the
0: executive as he takes this journey, not doing it for him, because he has to do the right. It just made me think when you and I were talking at the beginning about the priming for trust and making the environment safe by a leader doing this and being open and vulnerable about it, it's as if he's walking the talk. So if I'm talking to you about there needs to be growth and change and improvement I'm being open and vulnerable enough to let you know I am not perfect and I need to grow and here's how I want to grow and I need your help by giving me feedback. That makes it safe then for their direct reports to come to them and go, if my leader is going to be that open and that vulnerable and willing to grow and ask for feedback, I need to be able to do the same. So that's where the safety comes in, the trust, and it builds the relationship. One of the things that I've done with clients is help them create a language to share with people, here's what I'm doing, here's what I would like for you to observe in me. For example, I want to be a better listener and maybe not interrupt or cut you off when you start to talk. When I do that, here's what I want you to do, whether it's raising your hand, putting up a stop sign of your hand, or, oh my gosh, the general's showing up again, whatever that is, you've given the person permission and how you want that feedback. That created safety, that's created trust because you've asked for it. So helping them have your direct reports and stakeholders have the courage And how to give you that feedback, that also helps them be involved in it and feel safe to do so. If there are direct reports that are underperforming, all this that you and I've talked about in this episode can build that safety, the level of trust that those kind of conversations can be had, and they can be done clearly, openly, specific as we've talked about in other episodes.
1: My challenge to the leaders who might be listening to us is to take that look inside, ask the question, how do I want to show up? How am I actually showing up? How might I find out? Who might I ask? And to experiment with the courage and with the humility to reach out and to get the people who can give us that gift of feedback, the people who we trust, not necessarily our fans, but the people who we trust to give us fair and honest feedback. Get them in. Who knows what you might find out? That's what I'm asking. That's what I'm challenging. Who knows what you might find out? And who
0: knows what you might be able to do? Absolutely. And it's the honest feedback. So I add to your thing, don't surround yourself by yes people. And people that'll tell you what you want to hear, but you've got to find people that'll be honest with you. And sometimes that's where you and I as coaches come in because we don't have that same level of fear as a stakeholder or direct report might have of being honest. The only way to grow is to get that accurate information. So thank you again for joining Dale Laughlin of Trinidad and Tobago and Rhonda York here in the United States. With Conversations for Fearless Leaders. If you have comments or need for help, please reach us at www.conversationsforfearlessleaders.com. Join us next week in our next episode. And thank you again for being with us today.